I am 100% self-made. I started babysitting when I was 12 years old and pretty much supported myself. So when I say you can take a risk and you can do it, you can do it. Hello, hello everyone. And welcome to another episode of the Unstoppable Woman podcast. I am super excited to have on to the podcast today, Devin Clement. She is one of my clients and has an amazing business, which I'm super excited for her to tell you about and to share some of her experiences, both as an entrepreneur and scaling her business and also working with me and what that has that experience has been like. And then what's really, what I think is going to be really fun about this conversation is the unique uh, perspective and the stuff that you and I have been working on, Devin, around the, the personal life intersection with who you're becoming in your business life as well. So I love, I love all of that. And I can't wait to jam, jam with you. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to do this. Yay. Okay. So let's start with what your business is and where you were at when we first started working together, which I think was about a year and a half ago, roughly. Um, and then, so start with that. And then we'll talk about your journey, both your journey up into that point and where you've gone from there. Okay. So, uh, my business is, uh, we do newborn care and baby sleep training. So, uh, I'm based in New York city. We work uh, all over the area and I have a team of caregivers that I send out to new parents' homes to care for their babies. And the way that it started was me doing this work by myself. Uh, and then I got really busy and popular. And uh, so I brought on a team, but I was still working a lot. I was you know, constantly with clients, sometimes 24 seven for weeks at a time, um, You know, five to seven overnights a week. My life was just kind of a mess. And I, uh, you know, I hated that. So I was able to shift my business to, you know, mostly delegating to my caregivers, my team, but I was so burned out that I was just like exhausted and I was coasting on the reputation that I had built for myself, um, doing a lot of the little administrative minutia and that kind of stuff, but really just trying to recover from, you know, three or four years of just working nonstop and being basically exhausted by my business and a little bit resentful of it. And so after some time doing that, I decided it was time to get back into it. And I really wanted to make it more than just, I wanted to be more than just the hardest working person at my company. I wanted to be the CEO. I wanted a business that wasn't just, I don't know. I, I mean, it was a business before, but it wasn't really like, I, I don't know. It was a business. Now it's a company. I guess I'll say that. Um, and I really wanted to grow and expand and not in a way that meant that I was going to get ridiculously burned out again. Um, and that is where I was when we first uh, started working together. Yeah. And in that first VIP day, and of course the execution of that has been a little delayed because of COVID, but we mapped out a pretty significant plan for scaling your business. Do you want to tell people where you're going, what your vision is there? 
Yeah. So um, I think I want to just backtrack and say that one of the things that, that you really did for me that was different from any coach I ever worked with was you had me really just get into like the nitty gritty of what are your numbers and how much are you making and what are your prices look like? And these were just things that I had never even addressed. I was like, I don't know, this is how much I make for this or that. And it's paying the bills and whatever. And really getting into looking at that and what that looked like. And then you said, okay, well, let's, you know, let's look at it multiplied. How much could you make if you did twice as much or three times as much or whatever? And I was like, whoa, like (laughs) that was incredible. Um, So once I saw that, I saw those numbers, you know, I thought that scaling the business was going to mean that I had to completely change tracks. And what I realized was that I just had to grow, but I had to be able to grow in a way that was going to be sustainable and not just, like I said, meaning me working more. So um, we decided that I was going to expand to more cities, uh, which is very exciting, Uh, you know, staying on the East Coast for now and then potentially going further. Uh, That plan, yes, you said was derailed a bit because of the pandemic, but that's okay. The first step was to really get my ship super, super tight, make sure everything could be done, you know, basically by someone else so that I wasn't spending the day writing emails to potential clients. I was spending the day thinking about growth and focusing on the growth and things like that. And and again, like really being that CEO um, and having that energy. So the first thing that we did after that VIP day was I really focused on getting my assistant and my bookkeeper, like working on systems and making sure that everything was just super tight. Um, And I actually just had this sort of mentality in my head of like, if I drop dead, I want things to just be able to keep going. Like, not that I'm not a a critical part of the business, of course I am as the CEO, but I wanted to, the day-to-day running of the business to just be able to chug along without me because that was the only way that I was going to be able to focus on the growth. And you were just so encouraging of that and, and were really, that was your whole thing that I needed to do before I was ready to scale. Absolutely. Because the idea was she's got this great business model. She's really good at what she does. How do we multiply her? And it makes sense. She can, she can scale in New York City, but she can also scale in Atlanta, in Miami, all, all these other major metropolitan areas. But she can't do that if she doesn't have good systems. If she has to be in all those places, that doesn't work. And of course, you know, you're starting up someplace, you might have to train someone and you might be need to be feet on the ground for a certain amount of time. But fundamentally, you can train someone from remotely. And if you have good systems, it is a drag and drop kind of business. So I was looking at it, not that you were going to franchise, but I was looking at it from a, like, if you were going to franchise, what would you need to set up? Right. How would that look? So, and you've done a lot, huge amounts of work on that. So that like you, you framed it, it went from being a business to a company, like something that you feel like you're the CEO of. So tell us a little bit more. So I want to actually, I want to share a little bit and you can add to this. So I remember the first conversations we had about you coaching with me, because it was a big, a big decision for you to say yes. And one of the things that you told me that you wanted was, I want to make a million dollars, right? Okay. Can you, can you tell people about where that idea came from? How did that feel? what your evolution around that has been, because I think it's a, 
it's a powerful drive forward for not everyone, but for a goodly, for, for a certain woman, that's like a, oh, that makes sense to me. And I, I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Um, well, you know, it's a very original idea that no one's ever had before. <laughs> um, you know, honestly, I, I just reached a point where I wanted to do something. I wanted to get excited about my business again. I wanted to fall in love with it and I wanted to make more money and I wanted to have a, a bigger profit margin. And I didn't want that to look like, oh, I'll just take on more client hours or I'll just work more overnights or I'll just do more sleep trainings. So I was like, I want to get this business to a million dollars because honestly, I just thought it'd be kind of fun. And I wanted to say that I had done it. I love it. Um, and that was, you know, that was my motivation. That was really, you know, it's funny though. And I know, you know, this, I, you know, would like focus on the goal and I would write it down and I would, um, use it like just, just whatever. Like when I would think about it and there was always this voice in my head that would say no 5 million. And I was like, wait, what? Okay. 5 million. <laughs> so, um, I'm not there yet, but I just, you know, a million just feels like so achievable now. And then like, why not 5 million? Absolutely. When we, when we did the math in the, the VIP day, it was like, oh yeah, that's easy. Right. Yeah. Okay. And of course totally. it's not easy, right? There's a lot of effort that yeah. goes into it. And, and, and most of my perspective is most of that effort is changing the inner game because the execution and the steps are not that complicated. Yeah, marketing can be a little bit of a challenge in terms of testing and tweaking and seeing what works, but you've dialed in some great ads and you're gonna keep working that. You, you have a lot of that in plug and play right now. It's just about like taking the steps going forward. So let's, let's go there. So the, the, what have been the biggest inner game shifts that you have had to look at in this journey of yours? Um, well, I think the biggest was really just seeing myself as a CEO and a business owner and not just like, oh, I have this like little babysitter's club that got super busy. Um, I, uh, and let me interrupt here just to be super, super clear. She has a freaking kick-ass business. Okay. <laughs> it is not a little babysitter's club. She makes bank. She's a, like, she has a, like a huge clientele that loves her services, refers her all the time. This is a real business, but in yeah. your mind, you were still the, the 12 year old babysitting. Right. Yeah. Which, you know, it's actually funny that you mentioned that because when I look back at myself as a 12 year old babysitter, I had a business even back then I was sending out cards to people in my neighborhood who had kids. Like I was marketing myself, but I never viewed it that way. And I never thought of myself as like a businesswoman or someone who was interested in having a business. Like that's not for me. I just like want to take care of kids and that's it. So really shifting that mindset to, I can be a CEO, I can be a business owner, I can run a company. And like that, that mentality was so different from my previous mentality around my business. Um, and that I really needed to show up in a different way in 
a much more up-leveled way, which didn't mean, I think I was, I was scared of it for a while because again, I thought it was just going to mean working more hours. And that was not what it meant at all. Like it didn't mean more stress. If anything, it meant less stress because now I have systems and my assistants handle things. And like, I don't have to check my email a thousand times a day to see if a new inquiry came in that I have to like quickly reply to because someone else does that. So I really had to look at myself as like, how would a CEO operate? How would she run her day? Like she wouldn't have worked an overnight last night. So she is tired in the morning and has to take a nap. Like she would, um, you know, have a, a set plan. She would be thinking about growth things. Like I started doing media appearances. Like that was so huge for me and really showing up as this, like, this is my company that I run and I am an expert in my field, which I am. And I, knew, but I didn't really know. You weren't so claiming it. I wasn't claiming it. So in addition to growing my company and scaling my business, I also wanted to put myself in a position of the, the, the sought after expert in my field. Yeah. Um, so can and, you speak to two things there that I think are really yeah. important? One is ADD, you self-proclaim having it and you were, you talked about, okay, like how do I show up as a CEO? So I'd love for you to share some of your tips and strategies around that. Some of the things that are challenging and, and what you've done. Cause I think that can help a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Many entrepreneurs have that, that, um, if not, if not diagnosed that, that type of attention, um, pattern. And then the second piece is you claiming a higher self worth and sense of self and, and that, that image and beingness of the CEO, how did that, how has that affected your friendships? Because that has, that's been a big, big thing in what we've talked about over the course of our coaching. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you asked that because I've just been thinking about that lately. So the ADD thing, yes, um, I have a 100% diagnosis, but even before that, I knew that I had it. You just like read an article about it or you read a meme and you're like, that's me. I see my, I see myself in this. Um, it's simultaneously inability to focus and hyper-focus. So you'll get caught up. You, I could sit for 12 hours doing something, but it'll be the wrong thing, <laughs> like not the thing that I should be doing. So um, really finding strategies to work with that. And more than that, I would say just getting things off my plate that were not things that I wanted to do or was good at. Because a big thing about ADD is that your brain moves really fast and works really fast and it likes new ideas and it likes new things and it doesn't like, you know, boring drudgery. It doesn't like follow through. It doesn't like things that are, you know, not, not exciting. Um, so, so you need team for that. You need right. to hire people who love that. Exactly. So entrepreneurs tend to have this mind of like, I love creating new and that is that syncs with the ADD model, right? Right, right. So I, um, so for a while I had had a couple of different people working for me who I had hired because I loved them. You know, we, they were funny and dynamic and they, we got a long grade and one of them just like would tell me how beautiful I was all the time, but they also had ADD and we're not getting the things done that needed to get done. So then I was like, I need to hire someone who is the opposite of me who likes doing that like boring like work and can do a checklist and can just get it done. And honestly, like I told them right off the bat, I don't wanna be your manager. I want you to manage me. 
Like, I want you to tell me what you need from me, what I need to do. And if you email it and I don't respond, I want you to text me. And I don't want you to think like, oh, she's busy. I'm annoying her. Like if it needs to get done, it needs to get done. And you need to tell me that. And that's fine. Um, you know, I'm still the boss obviously, and I'm running the company and making the decisions, but if you, you know, if I see an unread email from somebody who needs me to reply to them and I forget to do that, I need you to remind me and make sure that that gets done. Um, I also would figure out like if something really was, was frustrating or difficult or just not happening, I would say, okay, let me sit with this and let me look at this and let me figure out what the solution is. And, uh, you know, for example, I, when I was like, training my assistant and working with her on creating these systems and stuff like that, it was like hard for us to catch each other. And I won't go into the boring details, but basically we went, I went through a phase where I had a couple of days a week, like a 45 minute drive that I had to take. And it was frustrating me that I had to spend all this time in the car. And it was also frustrating me that I couldn't connect with my assistant or that I could like, Oh, I know what it was. I couldn't like write these emails. And I was spending all this time in the car. And I was like, get on the phone with her while you're in the car and dictate the emails to her and have her like type them and send them. And that we got so much done that way. So instead of trying to force myself, like leave earlier, get there, do the emails before you go, da, 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 it was like, combine the two and get it done. And now this is what we do. Like whenever I have a drive, we get on the phone and she reads things to me and I tell her what I want her to say back. And I think there, there could be a lot of like self judgment and blame and shame. Like, Oh, what's wrong with you? You can't just sit and type a fucking email. Like, you know what to say, but like, screw that. I can't do it. So I'm going to do it this way. And that's what I pay her for. I love it. It's such a solutions driven way of thinking. And you, you do have to get out of any sort of shame around like the way it should be done. Okay. You have to figure if you're going to be successful as an entrepreneur, as a small business owner, scaling your business, you've got to find the solution. You have to be that creative agent and you have to work with, with your style of work, whether it's, it's the style that Devin has demonstrated and, and spoken about or, or a different kind of work style. You need to figure out what works for you and not let it be an excuse. You, you cannot make excuses. And if you stay in that frustration, and, and resentment, you, that's a trigger for you. Oh, I haven't stepped into creativity. I haven't found the solution. So you have to be solutions driven. And there's always an answer, right? The answer precedes the problem. So yeah. awesome. And awesome. you know, I tell my team, everyone, like right off the bat, I'm like, I don't like you, you can't judge me. If I need, like, if I need to dictate emails to you over the phone and you're thinking to yourself, why can't you just sit and type them? Like, keep that to yourself. I don't need to hear it. This is, you know, this what I company. hired you for. This is my company. This is what works for me. And this is how we get shit done. And I don't, I don't let myself get stuck in like when I am a person who can sit and type emails all day, then I'll be able to be successful. No, You'll never be stupid. able to do that. You're going yeah. to be successful because you came up with the solution. And I, I'm pretty confident that they don't judge you about it. Okay. No, not at they all. They love it. They're like, yeah. oh, she came up with a solution. That's great. We'll get this stuff done. Excellent. Okay. So, and anyone who does needs to not be on your team. It's like there's there's zero tolerance. For yeah. Them. Okay. Do Absolutely. you want to speak about how your up leveling has caused you some discomfort around how your friendships and how they see you and all of that stuff? Yeah, for sure. Um, one thing that I will say is that. It, 
stepping into this new level has really made me like much more aware of when other people are on a much lower level. And I don't mean like, oh, they don't make as much money as me, so I can't be friends with them. But like the amount that some people are willing to tolerate, I just don't get that. Like, I just don't understand it. Like a good friend of mine has his own business with a business partner and she's a horrible, toxic, miserable person. And I used to listen to him like complain about her and I'd say, oh, I'm so sorry, that sucks, whatever. And now he talks about it and I'm like, you know what? I don't, I don't have, I'm not available for this. This, you could come up with a solution for this. This is not my problem. Like, obviously I wanna be his friend and be supportive, but it's not- well, it's not obvious actually. Like at some point, that might not be how well, you want to spend your time. Right. So yeah. I care about him and I want to support him if it's something that I can actually help him with. I'm not saying like, I don't care about my friend's problems anymore. It's like, this is something that you've been dealing with for a long time. I will help you come up with solutions and I will help you. And I actually did for a while really help him in that area, but I'm not just going to let you sit here and complain and be stuck in this. And I'm not available for that. And I don't have time to hear that. I have other things I could be doing that are, that are better. And um, I noticed that about, you know, some other people in my life too. It's like, if you're not looking for solutions, then I can't, and, and I'm happy to brainstorm with you, but like, I can't just listen to you complain about standing out in the rain and being soaking wet when you haven't tried to get an umbrella or go inside. Yeah. So that is about you raising your standards, seeing exactly you, you had to foresee that this was an issue. So that was like step number one. And step number two was like, oh, that's, that's not acceptable to me. I'm not available for that and, and changing it. And, and how has it, how has, has that affected you in terms of I'm thinking specifically, Devin, about the the kind of group that you hang out with and the the way that you used to make yourself small around them. Yeah. And my impression is that you're no longer doing that, but that was a, a tough uh, switch to flip initially. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of fear that when you up level or you start making more money or you start having nicer things or whatever, that everyone is going to reject you and leave you behind and hate you and think you're a bitch and all this stuff. And that is not at all what happened. Um, I would say the majority of the people in my life are coming up with me. Like they see what I'm doing. They see me setting boundaries with them or with other people. They see what is possible, what I'm making happen, what I'm capable of, and they're coming along for the ride. And people that are not ready to do that, you know, so when I had this fear, I was making myself small and not setting boundaries and just meeting them where they were, which was, you know, here, whether that was in communication or willingness to be vulnerable or just, you know, thinking of possibilities or anything like that. And what I found was that me making myself smaller to accommodate them was not helping anyone. And it was just making me frustrated. And honestly, I wasn't even very good at it because I was still like, getting frustrated that they were not communicating well, or, you know, these different things that were happening. And finally, I was just like, you know what, like, well, I make this sound like it was my idea. You had to tell me like four times, <laughs> like, why are you still even friends with these people? <laughs> and it was just like, you know what, you're right. Like, I'm not doing any myself any favors, like hanging around with them. Let me interject there for a moment. So 
to contextualize that, there were there were people in Devon's life who were acting out and judging, and it was it was and like almost like name calling on a schoolyard, except not quite name calling, but it felt petty like that. And and correct me if I if I have any of this off, but your initial response to it was, I must have done something wrong. I'm wrong. I am I'm to blame. I need to jump through a thousand hoops and do some somersaults here to make nice and make sure that everything's copacetic. When in fact- Well, and to make you, sure that everyone likes me. Right. And when in fact you were dealing with dysfunction and it wasn't, you, you owned your piece of it. It wasn't without some- self-ownership, sure. but you, you, you owned your piece of it, which was critical. And then you said, I'm not available to make myself small because I'm afraid someone's not going to like me. And, and why don't you speak to that? Because there was a lot that you had to move through around that. Yeah. Um, so I, I just realized as the situation sort of devolved more and more that I was not showing up in a way that I felt proud of um, or in a way that I respected because I started to find myself not only trying to jump through hoops or twist myself into a pretzel to make them like me and be the person that they wanted me to be, but also um, it's finding myself sinking to that level and being petty and acting like I too was in middle school and all that. And I just was like, I don't, I don't like this on myself. I'm not enjoying these interactions that are, you know, ending up this way. And I just don't want to spend time in a situation where the only way that I can make other people comfortable is by not acting in a way that, that feels like it's in integrity with who I am. Absolutely, 100%. And one of the things that you brought to your vision was the types of relationships that you had, both friendships and romantic relationships, that you had a vision of, of who you wanted to be with. And mm -hmm. that was not who you were being in these petty relationships. So she wasn't acting as the CEO in her life either. She was acting like that 12 year old babysitter, not the CEO of her life. And a lot of what we've done has been that really stepping into the beingness of being that self-ownership piece and that beingness of, I'm the CEO of my life. I'm the CEO of my business. What does that look like? And, and how do I up level who I am on, not just on sort of a visionary, perspective, but on the daily, in these little decisions of how you're showing up in relationships with people. And it's been tremendous. I mean, I won't so go huge. Yeah. I won't go unless you want to go there. You had an experience at the beginning of the year and you had an experience, um, nine months into the year that were very similar. The experience at the beginning of the year in a relationship situation floored you, floored you. Yeah. The experience very similar, but different. Nine months later was like two days, three days. I mean, you, you were like, you know, yeah, really like, yeah, I get this. Not a, I, I'm good. I'm, I, I am living my more life directive. I'm going forward. 
Yeah. Well, and I, I think um, I want to speak to something that that just happened recently in our in our last um, retreat was that you have asked me from day one, who is that woman? Who is that woman who has the million dollar business? Who is that woman who has the great partnership, you know, relationship, that kind of stuff. Um, and I have had some answers for you, but I've never really like dug deep into it because whenever I thought about it, what I thought about were the flaws that I needed to fix the things in me that I saw as being broken. And I can't have a million dollar business if I don't pay off my credit cards every month because I want to buy other stuff. I can't have um, a million dollar business if I have all this clutter around and I schlep like three giant bags with me everywhere I go because I don't know how to pack light. Like these things that I really viewed as like, because when I see someone you know, my vision of this million dollar business woman who's in a great relationship, she doesn't have three like bags of crap. She's not like lugging things in and out of her car. She's not moving herself out of her beach house over the course of two days with her sister judging her. And, uh, you know, what, what really broke through for me in, in our interaction when we actually dug in and talked about that was that I don't need to change those things, that it's, it's not about fixing something that's broken. Just like me not being able to sit down and type an email doesn't mean that I'm broken. It means that I needed a new solution. And uh, so two aspects of what I learned from that is that I need to be able to accept who I am and not fear judgment of other people because I can't type an email, pack a small bag, like not bring everything I own everywhere I go. And that I need to come up with solutions. So, you know, when I was in this like shame spiral about this move out of the beach house, you were like, why didn't you just hire someone? And I was like, why didn't I just hire someone? Like what? Like, I don't have to change who I am. I just have to get someone else to do the things that I'm bad at the same way I did in my business. And then you did that. Like, and I did that. Right. Like the next, oh, it, was incredible. it was like, boom, done. Okay. Like you're such a quick study on that. It's like, yeah. there was no, there was no argument with that. You were like, oh yeah, done easy. And I get this text from her. I'm like done and done. Yeah. Yeah. I literally had a task rabbit help me unload, like not even help me. I literally had a task rabbit unload my car when I had to bring a bunch of stuff from one place to another, because I didn't want to be that person that was taking 10 trips down to my car with a luggage cart. Like I hired someone, they were grateful for the work, the money I paid them while they were doing it. I ate dinner and had a glass of wine and said, thank you. This is wonderful. Yeah. I really appreciate your help. And it was such a different experience overall from the way it had been. And I didn't worry that they were judging me. And honestly, I didn't care if they were judging me and they're not judging you. They are not. so grateful no. for the work. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but also just, just accepting those parts of myself as not something that's broken or wrong, or I can't be the next level. I can't be the CEO. I can't be in a great relationship until I fix what's broken. Yeah. It was like, until I'm willing to be vulnerable about it and ask for help or come up with a solution or just be honest about it, yeah. um, which I wasn't doing either. So that was such a huge, huge breakthrough. Yeah. So that was, that's one of the powerful aspects of the spirit of wealth retreats are, are these like 
the, the synergy that happens there and those breakthroughs are just phenomenal. So I have a few more questions for you. Absolutely. Do you want to talk about your most recent up-leveling that you are in the process of that you keep texting me about? Um, it's basically all I want to talk about. Okay. It's funny because speaking of relationships, I keep telling people that I feel like I just like met someone amazing online and I'm like obsessed with them. And I'm like <laughs> looking at their pictures and texting them all the time, but it is not a person. It is an apartment. Um, I am looking for a new apartment and, uh, I, you know, had an idea in my head of what my budget was for rent. That was basically just based on what I had paid in the past, what other people I know are paying, um, people who are younger and less successful than me, by the way, not people on my, you know, age and income level. Um, what, uh, you know, I sort of was like, what is like the, the least I can tolerate? Like, what is that price range? Like this apartment would be fine. It's good. This is how much it costs. So this is what I'm going to do. And at the same time, I was saying to myself, like, well, you know, if the rent is so much, that's like, I live in New York city, just FYI. So if it's so astronomical, then I could pay less and I could use this extra money to like pay for other stuff. And then I just had this, this realization that like, it's not finite. I'm a business owner. I can create as much income as I want. And I have proven that time and again, even through the pandemic when like, I'll be perfectly honest, business got real slow, real slow. And I still managed to pay for what I needed to pay for, managed to create the income that I needed to create to do what I needed to do. And sometimes it was just pure manifestation. Like I loaned someone money a couple of years ago and I never thought I would see it again. And out of the blue, she sent it to me. And I was like, okay, oh, well, that takes care of this bill. Thank you. And it was a lot, it was a good chunk of money. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it was that I was hustling and following up with people and getting new clients and making big sales and things like that. Uh, so what this realization that I had was I want to get the apartment that I want and I don't really care how much it costs and I will just make it happen. So I found this fabulous, fabulous building and I went can and you, looked can at I, it. Yeah, interrupt you. She yes. texts me. She's like, should I look at the, the apartment that's out of my price range, but that I really want? And my answer was yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you should. Well, I was worried it was going to like make me feel bad about what I would have to tolerate after looking at this like amazing place that I wanted to live. But I knew that you, you have the mentality of, I want that, right? Not in a yeah. greedy way, but in a like expansive way. Like totally. this is my next level. And the, the way it works, and I'm going to let you finish your story, but the way sure. it works is you up level, you now realize that you have a, a higher expense that you need to cover. So you need to up-level your business, which means you need to serve more people. You need to hire more team to help serve more people. You are then generating good in this world because you have stepped up and said, I will, I also personally want more. Okay. So, so you're, you're, you're going to help more people. They're going to have better lives, your clients, and then you're going to have to hire more team and more, more people to serve your clients. And that's going to like help so many people have an income and a great life. So it's all good. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and, and just to backtrack, we were talking about making a million. I, 
generally. I, I didn't have anything behind it. I just, like I said, I thought it would be fun and I wanted a new project. Um, and, and I will say that I didn't do as much as I could to scale and whatever, because I just, it was sort of this idea in my head, like, oh, I have a million dollar business, but man, that sounds hard. <laughs> so sometimes I would just like not do things that I could have been doing because I, there was just nothing behind it. Now I'm like, this is because I had, I had reached a lot of financial goals. I have a closet full of Lily Pulitzer. That was my dream. You know, now I have that, but now I'm like, okay, next level. I want this apartment. I got to make it happen. So I am ready. And I have already been like making those moves and doing those things. And it's, it's come really easily. And I don't have those moments of like, oh, it's hard. Well, okay. Do you want to live in this apartment or not? Like make it happen. And it's just like, okay, cool. Like this me, if I make this phone call to this person right now, and it means that I can move there. Perfect. That's fine. I'm happy to do it. Yeah. You know? Um, so I don't, I don't have that level of resistance. So yeah. So I saw this place and I was like, oh my gosh, it's so much more than I was thinking of paying. And then I was like, who cares? Like that was just made up anyway. So yeah. I, you know, I just divorced myself from weird money issues that aren't based in anything. And was like, what do you want? What do you actually want? And what I actually fucking want is an apartment in near Columbus circle with a private terrace and fucking a huge suite of amenities that are mind blowing. And I'm going to move there and I'm going to get that. And I'm going to, you know, make friends with people who are on my level. I love it. I love it. By the way, you have to send me the link to the, the apartment. So I oh can, my God, it's so amazing. Yeah. I want the visual. Okay. My next question to you is what advice would you give to your past self? Uh, what advice would I give to my past self? Um, I mean, it's so trite, but like, don't be afraid to take a leap. Like when I reached out to you about coaching, I knew I wanted to hire a new business coach. I knew I wanted to make a huge up level. I knew I wanted my business to grow. And I just like with the rent, I had an idea in my head about how much that was going to cost. And when you told me how much private coaching cost, it was a lot more than I was thinking. And I was like, oh, well, I can't do that. But then I thought the person that I am now doesn't want to do that, but I don't want to be this person anymore. I want to be the next level person. So what would the next level of me decide to do? Because the person I am right now is not a million, million dollar business owner. I don't want to take advice from her. Yes. So I took the leap and it's worked out so beautifully. And I'm feeling that again. I mean, I'm, I'm not nearly as nervous about this next big leap with this apartment and everything that I have been about other stuff, but you know, there's always that fear when you jump to the next level and you take a big risk, but it's never knock on what it's never not worked out and it's never not paid off for me. Absolutely. You have to make decisions from the place you want to be, not from exactly. the place that you are. So exactly. beautiful, beautiful. Okay. Before I ask you my last question, where can people find you and your business? Great. So my business is called happy family after you can find us at happyfamilyafter.com uh, or at happyfamilyafter on Instagram. And I am in the process of doing a lot more with social media, making some videos. So I would love to get more Instagram followers. Come on over and, uh, and check it out. And Devin's just a fun person to hang out with. So definitely <laughs> go to Instagram. And if you are in New York and pregnant, she is your Or you have a baby person. that doesn't sleep. Yes. 
anywhere in the country. (laughs) Or if you are in a major metropolitan area on the East Coast and you want her to come to you because she is a freaking expert in this, okay? That might be just the thing she needs, the kick in the pants uh, to to start that next uh, phase of the business plan. Okay, so what makes you, my final question is, what makes you an unstoppable woman? Uh, what makes me an unstoppable woman is that I, uh, God, I'm trying to think of something to say that's not cheesy, but I guess I'll just go cheesy. cheesy. Like go cheesy. I am, I'm not scared to take risks and I'm not, um, not afraid to become the next level. And, you know, every time there's challenges, but it's like you said earlier about the thing in January versus the thing now, like it gets easier every single time. And I just want to add the disclaimer that like, I don't have rich parents. I don't have a safety net. I have student loans. Like this is not like me saying, oh, take a leap and your daddy will save you if you, if it doesn't work out. Like I am 100% self-made. I started babysitting when I was 12 years old and pretty much supported myself. So when I say you can take a risk and you can do it, you can do it. Yeah. I love that. That was not cheesy at all. Okay. Thank you so much, Devin. I have loved this. Thank you so much for coming on the episode Thank you, and being your unstoppable self. Thank you. Hey there, my friend, do you resonate with what you just heard? Then head over to our free resource page and get more of our good stuff including our free Unstoppable Woman playbook and money breakthrough system. You'll find that and more at theunstoppablewoman.com slash free stuff. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and I'll see you in the next episode.